0: Welcome to St. James Lutheran Church in Chicago. My name is Pastor Joel Hess, and it's my privilege to talk about Jesus and the hope and the peace we have in Him. Uh, please enjoy the following message, and if you like, uh, support the mission of God here in this area by going to our webpage, stjames-lutheran.org. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Let's see here. We're Facebook Live right now. Kids, what should I say on Facebook Live? Should I leave a comment here for everybody? What do you want to tell them? What should I say? Stay safe. What? Stay safe. Stay safe. Oh, that's a good one. Stay safe. Anybody else? Yeah? Stay healthy. Stay healthy. Okay. All right. Anyone else? Yeah. Be blessed. Be blessed. Oh, that's nice. Okay. People are wondering, like, what is Pastor Hess doing here? Yeah. What? Be strong. Oh, that's good. Should I tell him Jesus loves them? Yes. Isn't that cool we get to do that? All right. And we'll be doing that probably for a couple of weeks here. So today we were going to launch this great campaign about who we are in Christ, what we've been given to do. We've been working hard on this for like three or four months just like our awesome gala people which is all a part of how can we do the mission of God in this city and this pandemic had to happen and uh, <laughs> I guess everyone has who's had their plans changed with the pandemic okay I think I'm not alone so I don't feel so bad I get all upset, and I'm like, okay, I think everyone actually is probably dealing with the same thing I am. But I'm so excited about all these things. And today we're going to launch it and talk about, again, who we are. We're alive in Christ. We're a growing community. What we've been given to do by God himself to continue the tradition of uh, serving Chicago with his peace, hope, and love. We're going to launch this campaign theme, Alive in Christ, Embracing Chicago. And the four pillars or targets is creating community, growing in our minds, God's word, uh, using our hands to serve, and finally, we want all of Chicago to believe in their hearts in Jesus Christ. Wow, I was really pumped. It was going to be really cool, right, Mike? And we have lots of food downstairs, too, but you don't go down and get it, by the way. Don't go down. We're trying to stop. I'm just amazed that you are even here, actually. We're thinking it'd be a lot less. And so here we are thinking about how great this is, how awesome this uh, launch is going to be, and these about eight weeks of, number one, really getting people to buy into this so we can grow as a community and be united in a vision and go forward with great ideas of how we can make a difference in Chicago. But then this had to happen. And for a moment, I thought, couple last couple days, you know, blanket the whole thing. Forget it. Let's just take all this stuff down here. And let's focus on the 800-pound gorilla that's in the room. And that is, what are we going to do? I'm scared. What's going to happen tomorrow? Is the economy going to tank? All these things that are on our minds. But the fact is, this ministry campaign, this new realignment of who we are, alive in Christ, and what we've been given to do, is more important and more needed than ever. If we can't be church in times like these, then when can we? This is why Jesus came into the world to forgive sins and conquer death and that includes coronavirus. Amen. And this is why he created his church to make disciples, to give peace and hope, not for people who everything they have everything fine. But for people who are scared and worried and ashamed, whether it's sin, whether it's illness, whether it's an economy, whether it's a pandemic. And so, my friends, we are called to be alive in Christ, and we will, starting now. In whatever way we can. Maybe it's going to be all social media and stuff like that. We can't gather as much, but we will embrace Chicago. And we will embrace them with our words. You will embrace them with your deeds and your generosity. And we will be St. James and we will be Jesus' light in this time. Amen. Let's do it. Yes. Wow, I like that. <laughs> This story today in the gospel according to John chapter 4 epitomizes what this is all about who Jesus is, and what he has come to do, who we are, and what we've been given to do. You couldn't get a better story. This story today in John chapter 4 is the epitome of the love story of all the Bible from Genesis to the end. It is God finding Eve and bringing her back. Let's go through this, and I hope you see where each of these pillars fits into this story. Chapter 4 of John. John tells us, and it's in your bulletin if you want. uh, John tells us that Jesus was going through Samaria. Very important to remember that. At the time, Samaria had rebelled or left Judaism, if you will, a long time ago, and uh, they sort of started their own religion that was half Jewish and half other things, and the Jews in uh, Jerusalem did not like the Samaritans, and the Samaritans did not like the Jews. It was enemy country. They didn't even wave high when they saw one another on the road. And uh, John says he came to a town in Samaria called Saqqar near the plot of ground Jacob, that is Israel, had given to his son Joseph. That same Joseph from the Old Testament. Joseph and the uh, multicolored coat thing. Joseph and uh, Egypt uh, and that sort of thing. When the Lord learned, I'm sorry, uh, Jacob's well was there. So this nice well was a big deal back then. Here, I mean, we get concerned because we can't find toilet paper. But you can get water wherever you want to. You can buy it wherever you want to. We have faucets, da-da-da. But then, you had water, but you had to go and get it. And so they had this great, plentiful source, Jacob's well. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. John loves these times. The sixth hour comes up later when Jesus goes to the cross which means we should immediately tie this episode into what Christ is going to do on the cross for you when a Samaritan woman came in to draw water Jesus said to her will you give me a drink the disciples had gone into town to buy some food Which is hilarious, because there are a bunch of ding-dongs. I can just see that, you know. I need to go into town. I need to stop at that place and get some uh, power bars or something like that, uh, while Jesus is trying to get work done. Okay, get out of here. And he's staying around. So he's by himself. It's kind of the middle of the day, and here's a Samaritan woman getting water. Why is she getting water? She's by herself, which is unusual back then and it's in the heat of the day which is not the normal time that you'd go get water why was she there alone and at a time when she knows nobody else will be there because she was in some way of something a little ashamed she didn't really want to be out in society And you know what? This kind of fits. She was isolated. She was social distancing, right? Which, while we're doing it on purpose, is not fun to do. And obviously, as I can tell, looking at you, it's kind of hard to do, actually. We like to get together. But she did not because it was embarrassing, because people had a name for her. She was labeled. She was not esteemed. She kind of lived in the dark. Didn't want people to know what she was doing. Because she was full of shame. That's why she was there. And she's alone. And Jesus comes and talks to her. Give me a drink in a kind way. Community. Jesus... If anything, Jesus time and time again hangs out with people who are isolated, social distancing, afraid to be with others, and full of shame. And Jesus hangs out with them, and he provides community, friendship. He touches the leper. He hangs out with the sinner. He talks with the person nobody else would talk to. That is a pillar of Christianity, creating community, being friends with people that that others won't be friends with, embracing people who feel isolated and alone in this world because of their sins, because of their illness, whatever it might be. That's a great pillar, isn't it? And that's what we're called to do at St. James. So Jesus says these words. He hangs out with her. And uh, the Samaritan woman is amazed. You notice this? He asks her for a drink. She says, she's got her guard up, you see. You are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. This is ridiculous. We don't like one another. We shouldn't be talking to one another. I'm not only a Samaritan, but I'm a woman alone over here. Hint, hint. Shouldn't be here. You are a single guy. None of this can work out. How can you ask me for a drink? And John says, because Jews don't associate with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Jesus builds community, but he's ultimately come to fill her heart with the hope and peace that she doesn't think she should get from a Jew and maybe doesn't think she deserves from God because of what we're going to find out she's doing and living in another pillar maybe the most important pillar most important target is that saint james exists jesus exists his mission exists so that not just some people or people you like or people who are like you but people who are on the other side of your fence have faith in christ and have hope and peace in jesus whether it's an economic fence whether it's a sin fence whether it's a cultural fence christ loves to go across fences break down barriers. And bring hope. She looks at him after she says this. I'm gonna give you living water. And again, Jesus does this a couple times in John. He speaks very poetically, and it's really cool. Oh, living water, it's so beautiful. But the people he's talking to are like, What are you talking about? And here we have again, she's like, uh, sir, uh, you have nothing to draw with, and the well's deep. Uh where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as also did his sons and his flocks and herds? In other words, you got nothing to draw water with. How is this supposed to happen? And Jesus says, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Now, this isn't the gist of it, but this is more of that, you got community, he's hanging out with her, you got the heart, because he wants her to know there is hope and peace in God, and now you have some service, literally, he's thirsty, wants some water, she's thirsty getting water, he's going to help her do that. We're called to do the same thing, to be generous with people regardless of who they are we are called to make sure that people's lives are okay and it doesn't matter if they agree with you if they come to this church if they believe anything if they're atheists it doesn't matter we're called to love our neighbor as ourself that is a target of saint james and that's something we're going to pursue so that all may know whether they like it or not whether they believe jesus or not that he actually loves them no questions asked And not because they're on his team. But I love what Jesus says here. This woman keeps on going to this well to get this water. And guess what? She has to keep on coming back. It never stops, right? You got to keep on working, right? You got to keep on working just to survive. You do, right? You can't just have enough. You never have enough and you really don't. And you you never can stop. And we're going to get through this pandemic and we're going to be just fine. But guess what? When we're all fine and everyone's healthy and there's no pandemic, we're still going to have this or that suffering. Someone's going to get hurt. Someone's going to die. There's going to be another illness. And yet it's weird how we put our hopes and dreams in solving little parochial problems as if we got that done. If we can just solve all these problems and cure all these illnesses somehow or create an app, we'll live forever. It doesn't work. We're never going to be done with pandemics. This is in no way the first. I just talking to uh, Perutini's back there. Like, as you're thinking about this, and we've been saying, like, "Oh, this is really unusual pandemic." And then you start talking to friends and older people, and it's like, this isn't weird at all. It happens all the time. Polio. Remember, you don't know. I don't think anybody remembers. Polio was insane. It's a freakish episode. People don't know what... They didn't even know what was going on, so they're scared about it. Kids could not, were not allowed to play. They weren't allowed to play in the water, sprinkles, sprinkling water or something like that. They weren't sure if that was causing it. It was, it was hurting a lot of different people. Before that, of course, you had the Spanish flu. You had World War II. What are we thinking and thinking somehow this is just crazy? We live in a broken world. If it's not this, it's something else. Or it's 2008, the stock market crash... It's AIDS in the 80s. I mean, there's always something. Hello. And we can't... Though we should do our best to stop it when it comes. I'm not saying who cares. Care, love, serve. That's what we're called to do. But in the end... If you're getting nourishment by making sure your health is great. If you're truly being nourished by making sure your retirement's okay. If these things are things that you think if you can fix them, then you're going to be happy in life. Then you're going to live a very sad life because it's always running out. Your health is running out. Your money's running out. Your time is always running out. Jesus has come to give a living water, he tells this woman, and he tells you that too. That once you have, you never are thirsty again. And he's going to give it to this woman he doesn't even know. And that water is the water of life that comes right from him. The waters of forgiveness that comes right from the cross in John, John tells us when Jesus died, they speared his side. What came out? water and blood. John says this very specifically because he wants you to see the connection between christ 's death and your benefit, water to indeed, as Jesus says throughout John, give you eternal life that never has to be replenished. the water of knowing you are forgiven. Therefore, the barrier between you and God, what separates you from you and eternity, is broken and busted by the blood of Christ. The water of resurrection, Jesus has risen, he has conquered death. So no matter what we face, what pandemic we face, epidemic we face, whatever your troubles are, health crisis, financial crisis, it's going to be okay. Because we have been made alive by the one who's risen again, never to die. And he has touched you in the waters of baptism. And he's given you that faith. That is something you can count on and take to the bank. And that is what makes us alive in Christ. So that when crises arise like they do now, we care. But ultimately, Christians should never be freaked out. Because we know God provides in our physical things. But he also provides our eternal things. And it will be okay. Jesus goes on here the woman says to him sir give me this water so that I may, won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water you know what that really means is what she's saying is if I had this water I wouldn't have to risk my life I wouldn't have to come out here in shame I wouldn't have to crawl around and see ways that I can avoid the stares of my neighbors if I could have this water I wouldn't have to live in shame she had no what she's saying did she? How Jesus is going to give her this forgiveness and this eternal life that she doesn't have to live in shame. And she says, and then Jesus says, Go tell your husband, come back. (laughs) I have no husband, she replied. Jesus says, You're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands, and the man you're with is not even your husband. So Jesus all this time knew who she was. She's a sinner. Who knows what she's been doing? I will tell you this, not only is she a sinner, but quite frankly, when I read this, I don't want to put all the blame on her. She's a sinner, but also I would tell you from this little story here, she's been beaten around by life, and people have used her and misused her, and men have taken her and thrown her away, and she's been sinned against as much as she has sinned, and she's tired, and she's at the bottom of the barrel. And this, who's, this is who Jesus loves. The woman tries to change the subject. Sir, I can see that you're a prophet. Oh, you, you know you're a prophet, right? So she's going to elevate him, right? After she, he just called her out a little bit. Uh, Our fathers worshiped in this mountain, but uh, you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. And Jesus declared, believe me, woman, a time is coming when you, I love that. He includes her, what she's done, who she is, what the world has done to her, how low she is, and the totem pole of society. And he says, you will worship what you do not, or or you, you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth for they are the kind of worshipers the Father speaks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And Jesus looks right at her as if he was looking at Eve Who stole and ran so long ago. This is Eve's daughter. Lost. Broken by the world and her own actions. And he says, the one of whom you are speaking. I am he. For her. And the episode ends and it blows her mind and this woman got something far better than water she got hope she got community in Christ she was taught about God she was served by the Messiah by God himself and she was given hope and peace in Christ in the Messiah in Jesus and what does she do? She leaves alive in Christ, and she embraces her Samaritan friends. She runs out of here, and she starts telling people about this Messiah. The one who was embarrassed and scared and had to hide and go during the middle of the day to get water is now talking to people, boldly, sharing, who the person who had nothing. What did she have to share in that society back then? Who would listen to her? Who cares? She now has something to share more than anybody else. And that is the hope and the peace. The Messiah has come. And guess what? He loves Samaritans. God has come and he's not mad at Samaritans. And he's not pro-Jewish. And he's not pro He doesn't even see these things. Imagine what blew her mind. That the Messiah has come for her. Sinner, stranger. Lost, thirsty, broken, exiled, afraid. He embraced her. And he has done that to you. Because he's madly in love with you. Because the love story includes you. Because we are the sons and daughters of Adam and Eve. And we are that Samaritan woman. And he has met us at the well, the waters of baptism. And he's brought you into the community of St. James. And he's filled your heart with peace and hope. And he's growing your mind in who this God is. And as we survive this pandemic, he is taking care of our physical needs. May we do the same. May we be Jesus in this community. Do not be the selfish, the afraid, the scared. This is the time that Chicago needs us to be the church. To bring peace with our words. To bring hope with our actions. These are the days. And it's a great day. And we will look back and say, praise God for that time where we really got to be the church. And to bring hope and peace to Chicago. In Jesus' name, amen. Can I get an amen? Ah! Whoa, you guys are awesome. Okay, what's going on here? What's next?